had one of our big finalist presentations, multi-million dollar deal. We walk in and I instantly start sweating and not like a bead down my forehead. It's just like melting away. And I was like, I have no idea what is happening. So my computer crashed. Now I'm like, I have no reference point of how to come back from this. Of course, I'm going to lose my job, but we also lost a million dollars worth of the deal right here, 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 here. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. First-hand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, guess what? You have made it. You have got to the middle of January 2023, and hopefully you had a little time to rest and have some relaxation as we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr., his inspiration his vision, and more importantly, his impact. And speaking of impact, we have an amazing guest today. It is Robin Singvi, the founder of SmartQ. But before we bring on Robin, let's talk more about impact because we are celebrating the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge. And we are here in week number three with step number three of the Lead With Your Brand system, which is refine who you want to be. Now, in the first week of January, we looked at step number one, which was all about defining your career audience. Last week, we talked all about step number two, which was about authenticity and knowing what you stand for today. Now, if you missed out on either of those, just go ahead and check out leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year, and you can get caught up on our Lead With Your Brand challenge. Let's roll up our sleeves and dive into step three, which is all about refining who you want to be. Now, you've already authentically asked people for adjectives and descriptors. You've done that analogy about if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? So by now, you've taken all of those words and put them into four to eight brand tailwind clusters. These are those descriptions that help move you forward with more efficiently and get you to your destination quicker. But you know what I always ask you in your career? Are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Now, here's what I want you to think about. Look at your words and ask yourself, are these commodity-based words? Are these words that a lot of people that do your type of job use to describe themselves? Are they words that people 
often say in the workplace that they are like? Are they words like, ooh, I'm reliable, or I'm innovative, or I'm a great presenter? If you're looking at those words, they are probably authentically exactly who you are, but I think they're a little bit boring. They're a little bit like coffee, and we need to make them super premium brand words like Starbucks. So you know what? We are going to get in that McDonald's drive through because I don't want you to have small words. I don't want you to have medium words. I don't even want you to have large words. I want you to take your words, and I want you to super size them because amazing brands use supersized, unique language to describe themselves. So let's play with this for a minute. Maybe you said that you were innovative. Now, I know that when I have done my brand audit, being creative, being innovative, these are all words that people have used to describe me. But then I step back and I say, well, hey, I spent 25 years working in Hollywood in the movie and TV and theme park business. Well, everybody there says that they're creative and innovative. So what's my unique brand of being innovative? And you know what? I started to ask people and and I would say, hey, you know, you're giving me feedback about being creative and innovative. And I would start to hear people say like, well, you know what, Jason, you're always like on trend. You're always like one of those first people that is doing doing something. You're always kind of the first one to get in line and understand something. And so I started to supersize that word and I realized, you know what? My version of innovative and creative is being a first mover. A lot of people say they're creative and innovative, but not everyone says they're a first mover because I'm a first mover because I jump onto trends. I want to be the first person to try out a new technology product. I want to wait in line at that Apple store. I want to incorporate new technology into the work that I'm doing. So first mover is suddenly one of those supersized words. Let's take another one. You know what? People would always say, well, Jason, you're a great presenter. And I would be like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm a great presenter. That's awesome. But then I realized, well, you know what? I'm a professional speaker, facilitator, and trainer. Well, who isn't a great presenter that does what I do? So at the end of the day, how am I differentiated from any of those folks? So I would go out and I would say to folks, hey, you know, talk to me. I know that you say that I'm a great presenter, but give me an example. What do you mean by that? And people would come back and they would say, oh, well, Jason, you know what? You always bring a show. You know what? Like you're a song and dance man. You know, you can get up and herd cats. You're the only person I know that can get like 2,000 people in an auditorium to pay attention, stand up and actually take a group selfie. And then someone said, you know what? You're like a ringleader at a circus. And suddenly it dawned on me. Yes, I'm a great presenter. But what is that uniquely Jason supersized version of it? It is quite simply that I am a showman. And if I think back through my entire life, ever since I was a kid, I was someone that wanted to get up on stage and perform. Even earlier in my career, when I was an HR manager, which we wouldn't say is a really showy type of experience, I would create all of these employee experiences that were about bringing the show to my client groups. 
So I want you to take your words and I want you to play with them. I want you to ask around and I want you to supersize those words so it's something completely ownable. Now, let me give you one last story because it's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Her name is Kaylee. She worked on my team at the NBC Universal Talent Lab, you know, started as one of, you know, her early professional roles coming out of grad school. And I loved working with Kaylee because speaking of being a showman, right, we would be responsible for putting on all of these huge talent lab, corporate university type of events. And we didn't do those stodgy ones. We did things like the Universal Studios lot or at the SNL stage, Studio 8H at 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Now, Kaylee would have this magical power that she could go up to these really big executives and oftentimes on air or even movie talent that was participating at our events. And many of these people are a little bit rough around the edges. They don't like to take a lot of direction. They don't like being told what to do. But I would see Kaylee be able to go up and give these folks direction. And it was like they were eating breadcrumbs out of her hand and would follow. And I would be like, wow, what is the deal? How is it that this young woman is able to get these kind of brisk, rough Hollywood entertainment types to do stuff? And one time I was talking to her and she said, you know what? My brand is confidence. And I was like, what? She's like, I'm confident. And really what she did is she supersized her words and she created something ownable, which was confident, the combination of calm and confident. Well, guess what? Every year when we were looking at these huge projects that we needed to put out and execute... My colleagues and I, we would literally be saying, okay, well, who needs Kaylee? Because which project really needs that unique brand of confidence in order to get it to the finish line? So make sure that you go to leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year, where you can get your worksheet for this week, which is all about supersizing your brand attributes. Well, let's get to our guest today. It is Robin Singvi, the founder of SmartQ, a smart sales effectiveness platform that helps sales teams deliver personalized product demos and close deals faster. Now, Robin spent over a decade in the U.S. B2B software as service space as a sales and solutioning leader, playing the quarterback between sales and product teams to develop and execute the best solutions for customers and key stakeholders. Now, Robin built up the muscle memory to identify prospect needs and accelerate deal cycles. He has demonstrated success at driving high-value, complex strategic partnerships with multiple stakeholders and teams in a highly matrixed environment. We'll be back in just a few moments with the founder of SmartQ, Robin Singvi. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I have an amazing guest with us today. It is Robin Singvi, the founder of SmartQ. Robin, what is going on today? Hey, Jason. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. 
Of course, I am doing spectacular. And Robin, I have just got to hear from you. I know that you are going into your pre-seed round at SmartQ, so I'm sure you're pitching and talking to tons of people. Tell me, Robin, when you first meet folks, how do you introduce who you are and what it is that you do? Ah, oh, that's a great question, uh, Jason. So, as you can tell, my life nowadays revolves around SmartQ. So for better or for worse, I think my identity is like deeply interlinked with SmartQ, right? <laughs> and so, so my introduction nowadays tends to be that, hey, you know what? I've done enterprise sales for about 12 years, and I found a problem that I could not find a solution to. So finally, I decided to take matters into my own hand and try and solve that problem myself, which is what led to SmartQ, right? And the problem essentially is that sales teams, enterprise sales teams, uh, they're great folk, but they're selling very complex products. And when they're trying to do that, for, for whatever reason, they're not able to either show demos that are very consistent across the board for all salespeople, for all the products that they're selling. And they're not able to sort of personalize or to contextualize these demos to their buyers, mm. right? Yeah. And when you think about that, uh, that that's you, like, of course, they need to personalize, right? But for whatever <laughs> reason, they didn't. And when 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 they were doing demos in person, it was still possible because salespeople, by design or by default, have this charisma, this this you know this ability to to command the room. And then perhaps push a deal through without necessarily having to show as much of the product as, as you would hope. But now, when you think about things post-pandemic, right, all they have is a cold, impersonal, perhaps 30-minute Zoom call on a computer screen. Now, you can't use your rapport. You can't use your charisma. You can't wine and dine your client, right? Yeah. So what do you do now? So now your product has to shine, right? And now that's the problem statement that we sort of set out to solve. You're like, you know, it's the perfect storm where we always knew that product demos could be done better. And now with the pandemic, the problem is even more acute. So, so let's definitely try to solve it now. And that's what we're trying to do with SmartQ. SmartQ essentially enables enterprise software sales teams to create a library of personalized product demos to help them close deals faster. And and so talk to me, Robin, what exciting things are happening at SmartQ right now? Oh, so many, so many, right? So uh, one is I'm a solo founder. So like literally everything that happens, you know, happens through me, right? And, and uh, <laughs> the buck I, stops with you. The buck stops with me or I'm, I'm the bottleneck, you know, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right? But uh, so we officially launched to the general public in September. Uh, we launched on Product Hunt and we were product of the day, Ooh. right? Which was, which awesome. was uh, a pretty big deal for a very, very lean team. Uh, no marketing team behind us. Uh, and then you know we've been we've been busy dealing with the with the flood of inbounds that came in through uh, Product Hunt, uh, trying to go th work through them. We've signed on a bunch of pilot customers, a number of a uh, couple of customers that were already converted to paid customers, and now we've actually also just launched on AppSumo, mm. 
Mm. So folks looking to get a great deal in the, in the new year, you know, definitely go check us out on AppSumo. Um, use the product. It is an unbelievable deal. I don't know if my investors will like it, but <laughs> until they shut me down, I will encourage folks to go and check it out. And, and if they love it, you know, come back to us and, and, you know, we can talk about getting your, your team onboarded as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin, talk to me a little bit about your career. You've been in, right, the sales business for a long time. What are some of the career breakthrough moments that you've had that as you look back, really prepped you to be a founder of your own enterprise? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking that, Jason. Uh, so, you know, I have a computer science degree uh, from from back in India, and then I moved to the U.S. to get my MBA. Um, I went to Willamette University in Salem, Oregon. Post that, uh, like you alluded to, I worked at a number of different startups for almost 12 plus years. And I remember very clearly, I think that has to be my de- the, uh, a, a defining moment in my career, was uh, my first job. Uh, it was at a very small startup called Incentive. Mm. Uh, I remember being at their offices and knowing absolutely nothing about healthcare or health tech, which is what Incentive was into. But everyone at that point in time was reading about Obamacare coming into law, right? Mm. And you're like, okay, that's interesting. But what I did not realize is what that company, what Incentive was doing at, the, at that point in time would actually play a pivotal role in implementing Obamacare and taking that vision and enabling millions of Americans to get health insurance, right? So yeah. when I was interviewing with them, it was just like, cool new startup. I'm going to be the second employee here. So I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to actually learn from the founders, which I did. Uh, but but I remember very clearly that I think it was, I want to say like, you know, in my first year that I was there, just getting up to speed, just like wrapping my head around this complex new law that has come into place and the, and the, the crazy implications that it has for pretty much every American, right? Yeah. And organization. And I was called to my boss's cabin um, one, one day and he's like, hey, you know what? We backed the, the contract for the state of Colorado and you are going to go over and you're going to lead that. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> Are you, am I the only one? Who else, who am I going to be reporting to? They're like, nobody. If you mess it up, it's on you. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) And people in Colorado won't have insurance, right? (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. So, uh, of course, I freaked out, right? But but, uh, I think that has been like the biggest boon in my career is that I've been very lucky to have extremely, extremely amazing trusting and uh, bosses that always were like great mentors. Yeah. They let me make the mistakes. They, they entrusted me with responsibility and they, they, they perhaps saw something in me that maybe I did. Right. Yeah. And then uh, because of, because of those bosses, I think my learning curve was so steep and so fast uh, that, that, you know, we were able to actually implement uh, that 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 marketplace or that exchange in Colorado was, uh, you know, it was a pretty great moment when we realized that, you know, over the course of, of the year, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of uh, Coloradans had actually, uh, who never 
previously had any sort of safety net in terms of health insurance now had insurance, right? Yeah. You can be on either side of the political spectrum uh, and that's fine. But, but I think for me, it was just like, and, and being an immigrant, right? I was like, well, America is the promised land, the most developed country in the world. And I realized like, well, even here, people don't have insurance. So that was, that kind of blew my mind in itself, right? Fundamentally, I was like, well, I, I thought that was basic, right? Yeah. And then to be able to have an impact uh, was, was, was like, was very, very instrumental, right? In me being able to believe in myself, trust in myself and, and kind of go out and, and uh, you know, uh, set, set high bars for myself. Yeah. And Robin, you said, you know, one of the great things about those leaders was that they allowed you to make mistakes and learn from them. So thinking of that situation of rolling out the exchange, what were a couple of the mistakes that in hindsight turned out to be like the biggest learning experiences for you (laughs) as as a technologist, as a leader, uh, as ultimately a founder? Yeah. So um, I was actually talking to someone about that. I was reminiscing uh, with uh, my CTO at the time, I was like, do you remember Thurin that, you know, this is what happened. And, uh, the, the story goes, <laughs> the story goes such, right. So we had one of our big finalist presentations, multi-million dollar deal. We walk in and I instantly start sweating and not like a bead down my forehead. It's just like melting away. And I was like, I have no idea what is happening. So my computer crashed. Now I'm like, I have no reference point of how to come back from this. Of course, I'm going to lose my job, but <laughs> we also lost a few million dollars worth of the deal right here. Um, but that's when, that's when I think, I think a pretty amazing thing happened. So Thurn got on, 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 onto the stage. He's like, don't worry about it. And, you know, he pulled up a few slides, a few screen grabs, perhaps, you know, like a little walkthrough of the product, uh, engaged the audience, like really, you know, understood their problem statement. Like, you know, the 12 people, he's like, okay, what is, what is the one thing that you want to get out of this meeting? Right. He kind of collected all of that, contextualized it, and basically personalized that demo or that pitch right then and there in front of them. Right. Of course, you know, you, you never want that to happen. You want it all to be planned. Yeah. But I think for me, the biggest learning was that a always have a plan B, right. <laughs> uh, B, that things will go wrong, right? Yeah. It's not it's it's not that, you know, every time everything's gonna go perfectly and, and it's okay. You have to figure out what is the next best next best solution and kind of work through that. And third is about having self-belief because mm. you know, and, and we, we did a debrief after, and he's like, you do realize the reason why we're in that room is because those people knew or saw that we had something that would solve their problem. Mm. And they're like, well, you know, yes, I think, you know, one out of two finalist presentations out of, you know, perhaps hundreds of uh, proposals that came to them. Um, so the fact that you're in that room, that, that means you're almost there. Now, all you're trying to do is convince and appeal to each individual and yeah. their point of view and their problem statements. So that was a big learning for me. And, and you know, if you can extrapolate that, ironically that's what we're trying to do at smart yeah is that you know people are coming to me with a problem statement they think that you have a solution all you need to do is lead them to the right path they're like yes 
correct? Yeah. This is the problem. This is, why, this is how we solve it. And this is why we are the best at what we do at, at helping you uh, solve your problem, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so that, 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 that story definitely sticks with me. And that's just, that's also because I think, you know, uh, we, we recently spoke about it and, and we laughed about it. We're like, what could have been? <laughs> exactly. It's one of those moments, Indeed. right? That it's like, it could have gone a horrible other direction. Yeah. Um, Robin, tell me when you were a little kid, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? Ah, okay. So, you know, so I come from a family of um, entrepreneurs and, you know, and dad, had his own business. My mom also, you know, had her own business, uh, have their own businesses, I should say. Um, and one of the earliest memories that I have as a kid is dad used to have a, used to run a grocery store, right? Um, mm. uh, I think they opened the first ever supermarket in the city, uh, which was kind of cool, right? Where, you know, we take it for granted that, Hey, you know, you'll get all of your stuff and then you'll, put it at the cashier, they'll scan the barcode and then, you know, you'll be off on your, on your own. Yeah. That was not always the case and definitely not in, not in India, uh, growing up. Right. And it was amazing. It's like, you know, all of the food was barcoded. They're like aisles neatly arranged. And what I was, um, tasked with is to sit at the cashier and sort of, you know, check people out. And, uh, I loved that. <laughs> I just absolutely loved that experience, right? And and when I think back to it, I was like, why was that? One is that I think it gave me a great opportunity to interact with people, right? Yeah. Everyone coming through like, okay, you know, let's see what they bought. Can I like, you know, understand what their personality is based on what they bought? Can I like, you know, and, and, you know, again, like those, those, uh, those marketing one-on-one tactics, like what, yeah. what should we have at the cashier that, you know, you can be like, Hey, why don't you just buy two more of these? And, and, you know, uh, who are the people who are coming through the checkout counter who, you know, are actually going to buy. Right. So I love <laughs> doing that. Right. I'm like, Hey, you know, a chocolate here, a piece of gum there. Um, and then the second, second piece is a little bit funny. I think, uh, that's what my parents say. They're like, um, I love counting money, <laughs> right? Cash. They're like, they're like, we don't know why, but it was just like a thing. Like, you know, you, you just like, like you do it faster than a, than a, than a machine at the teller. And, and, and you just, you, you would love it. And, and I did, I, I still do. Right. I mean, now we use cards and stuff like that, but I'm like, man, I, I missed the, the touch <laughs> cash. Um, and, and so growing up, I was just like, man, this is the coolest job ever. Talk to people and take their money. Like, I mean, what could be better? <laughs> Says the sales guy. <laughs> right? And, and, and now it seems like, you know, it was all meant to be. Exactly. Exactly. So, Robin, let's talk a little bit about your brand as a leader and a founder. Give me three words that people would use to describe brand Robin. Ah, okay. All right. Let's, let's, let's talk through that. So I think for one, it'll be trusting mm. because if I, if I hire someone, I'm like, you know, this is what you're going to do. Go do it. Yeah. I'm not, uh, you know, uh, trusting and trusting whatever you want to call it. Like I, I don't micromanage. I don't, I don't like to micromanage at all. Um, second, I think I would say the big picture, 
I, I, I love to I love to ideate. I love to strategize. Like, hey, you know, this is what we need to execute, and then I need my people to sort of be able to execute on that. Yeah. Right. Um, and then finally, uh, I think I, I, I would like to say kindness. Ooh. Right. Um, and and it's interesting uh, because especially like for the pandemic and things like that, I've seen a lot of people being let go. A lot of organizations having to let go people, and that you know obviously continues now uh, given the macroeconomic situation. But for me, I think one is um, business need and logic behind those decisions, and the second is how do you do that? Right? Um, can you do it in a ma- in in with empathy? Can you do it with kindness? Can you preempt that and 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 do things the right way? And it's not just about like when you have to let people go. I think it's just about doing right by your people right uh i I think in my mind those are kindness and doing right is uh, are a little bit interconnected yeah but yeah i think those are the three things that i i would love if if uh would be the words that people would associate with brand robin yeah i love that trusting big picture kindness you know you talked a little bit about the kindness piece and being able to have have empathy it strikes me that that's not the perception that we would have of most people who are founders especially people in the tech space right when we think silicon valley so how how do you leverage kindness when you have the pressure of you know everything comes to you. You said you're either the bottleneck, right? Or the buck stops with you. Right. How, how do you implement that when the stakes are so high for you? Uh, I, I think the, the, the one thing that we do religiously at SmartQ, which I think enables that is transparency. Mm. Everyone knows how much money we have in the bank. Everyone knows who our clients are. Everyone knows what our pipeline is. Wow. And uh, everyone knows when we're going to raise our next round, are we there yet? How long will it take? What our burn is? And uh, in my mind, that is a form of kindness because if we're not doing well, Mm. uh, it's not that one day I wake up and I'm like, Hey guys, sorry, you know, we're done, done. Right. Yeah. Um, And and for me, what that transparency has also done all this while is it's actually gotten people to take ownership. Because they now feel, my team definitely feels that they're part of this um, organization, that they're actually able to make an impact because they have visibility into what we're going to do. And they, by, by taking action, and, 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 and then when they, when they see that Robin's actually you know, just giving us control, they're like, these are the things that, these are current, current, this is currently where we stand. This is where we need to get to. Now, you know, you have your function and role. How do you enable that, right? So everyone is then working towards a common objective and a goal, right? I, I think, I think that in itself, I feel is is a, is, uh, you know, uh, a type of kindness yeah. because you're you're making people making sure that everyone is part of of something bigger. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I never asked people how much they made, for example, in their previous organizations, because for me, I'm like, well, I am valuing you as an individual, as a person. Yeah. I have a budget. So whether you were paid half of that or more, 
doesn't matter to me, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is what I can afford, and this is what I think you're worth. Yeah. So, so that 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 was very interesting because one of my uh, early employees he came to me. He's like, Robin, do you not need my previous pay details or anything of the sort? I'm like, nope, I don't care at all. <laughs> he's like, okay, that's weird. I'm like. I know because, because that, that's, that's very common. Like, you know, I have, I have a lot of my dev team in India and, and it's a very common practice for employers to ask for your prior salary yeah. slips and sl- salary details. And I'm like, I, I don't care. Yeah. Right. And so, so um, I want to say like, you know, we've been around for just a couple of years and most of my people have stayed around. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've, I've stuck around. So I would think that there's, uh, there's some things I'm doing right. I'm, I know that there's there's tons that I'm not, but uh, hopefully I'm doing a, a few things right, which which is keeping people around. Yeah. Well, and I love that you talk about that kindness shows up as being transparent and letting people know mm-hmm. not only where they stand, but where the entire business stands. But that actually drives ownership that it feels like everyone's always like, gosh, why? why okay, how can I get everyone to be an owner? But it feels like most people go the opposite route, right? Right, right. right. Now, talk to me a little bit about big picture, because that feels like that's just so critical of not only a leader, but especially a a founder and a founder that's out, you know, raising capital. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how that shows up on a daily basis for you. Uh, So so I think I think we spoke about it, right? So everything, all our communications are on Slack. Um, Everyone knows what's happening in product, what's happening in marketing. Um, Everyone is aware when we have uh, people coming in, going out uh, for whatever reason, right? Uh, those, are, those are also pretty transparent. I've never held anyone back from leaving either. You know, like you have a better opportunity if you think you're going to go somewhere else. I will, I will be your biggest champion. I'm not going to hold a grudge and, and like not, not write to your reference or, or bad mouth you to your next employer. You know, I, I could kind of go on and on, but... Uh, but yeah, I think I think I just it, I had experiences uh, as I worked through various startups, and I was like, well, I just I just want to do it my way, mm. right or wrong. I think in the long run it'll 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 show up, but I'm like I want to I want to build with uh, the team, right? And yeah. and you know a big 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 idea at SmartQ is the sense of community. So it starts internally with the team that we are a community. We're building something that is going to benefit the broader sales community. And then, you know, the activities that we do, the way we launched on, on, on product hunt, um, the way, you know, a lot of my network uh, has been supporting me, you know, either in, 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 you know, with advice, mentorship, or with, you know, where the angel invested in startups. Um, I think that that sense of community is a, is a big, uh, big sort of theme at, at SmartQ. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you talk about trusting big picture and kindness. Robin, have those always sort of been attributes about you? Or are some of these ones that have evolved over time with experience? So I want to say trusting and kindness are something that I... Um, I think I grew up with. Yeah. You know, I, I saw, I saw that being practiced at home uh, with my parents, with their employees. I mean, 
they've had businesses for now 30, 40 years. And yeah, I, I, I know employees who've been with them since I was a little kid. Wow. So, um, so, you know, they, they've been at my wedding and things like that. So, so, <laughs> so for me, I think, you know, that, that just is inbuilt in my psyche. And then the big picture, I think, is something that I developed over a period of time, having worked under uh, great leaders, having seen them think through things, having had the opportunity to be part of uh, strategic conversations, even when I thought, you know, what am I doing here in these meetings? <laughs> um, the, the classic imposter syndrome. Yeah. But, uh, but I think being exposed to all of that and, and being mentored that way definitely informed uh, that part of my brand. So, you know, there's times that we always encounter people that our brand doesn't really mesh with them. Mm. So talk to me about a time when you've interacted with an investor or an employee or a boss where it's like you're trusting big picture kindness, like that didn't really work for them. So how did you handle those situations? So, so I want to caveat by saying I was, I, I really was lucky enough that, you know, when I interviewed with, with companies, when I spoke with folks who I would be reporting to, like those were definitely signals that I was looking for, that everything else, mm. you know, will fall into place, the business, the numbers, uh, the rest of the team. But the folks who I will be interacting on a daily basis, I need to have that that level of comfort that yeah. from a value system perspective, we are aligned. Yeah. Right. So I was, I was lucky to, I was lucky to have that, but of course, like, like in any, any large organization or, 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 you know, any decent sized organization, there are always going to be people uh, who don't mesh with. Yeah. Right. But uh, that, that I think is one of the key things that, that you as a leader need to develop that, not everyone is alike. People are different, but then you also have to be able to leave aside or set aside your bias and, and, and decide if that individual is actually doing the job because at the end of the day, that's what you really want. And if they are, then are you able to not be bothered by the lack of alignment, right? And mm. still be able to still be civil to each other, still work well together, uh, you know, you, you don't have to go to happy hour together and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> right. But, uh, but, but, but having that, uh, that ability to center yourself, yeah. that there is work and then there is everything else. Right. So um, you, you don't have to, not everyone has to be like your tribe yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Right? I think being okay with that realization is I think, uh, um, I think one of the key learnings that I had. And, I, and I'll be honest, right? It's not that, you know, I was always like this. Yeah, of course, I got bothered. It was, um, you know, I, I learned and evolved over time. So, Robin, we've been talking all about your brand. I'm interested to hear from you. What brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? What can't you live without? Uh, okay, so uh, I'm, I'm sure you get this a lot, but uh, I'm an Apple fanboy, so like, you know. <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's obviously a brand that, that I definitely can get behind, love their products, love their, love their brand, their vision, their mission. Of course, you know, everyone, mostly everyone in tech is a, is a Steve Jobs fanboy. So anything that, that comes from those halls, uh, you know, is, is automatically put on a pedestal. Uh, the other brand that I've recently been obsessed with is Allbirds. 
Ooh, I'm um, not aware of that. So, Tell me. So Allbirds is a is a footwear brand, and they make mm. they make great shoes, uh, of course. But but I think their whole brand around being environmentally conscious, sustainable, while still being um, you know stylish. But I think for me, the biggest thing is like their, their shoes just so comfortable. Yeah, I can, and I can just throw them in, and and they're reusable. Like I, I just throw them in the washing machine, and uh, they come come out looking uh, you know brand new. Wow. Which I'm like, yes, uh, I will take that, right? Uh, so that I don't have to like every every couple of years go out buy new shoes. Uh, if I can just use the same ones, I will. So so those are uh, definitely a couple of brands that I that I love and look up to. And and professionally, I think you know, uh, Gong, if if you've heard of them, is a is a brand that I love because I think they're one of those brands in the B two B space. Yeah, um, that have actually cracked how to build a brand like in, in a B2C way. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so I love, love what Gong is doing. One of our competitors actually walnut.io uh, is, is doing something similar and, and, and I, and I, and I respect them for what they're doing for sure. Uh, but yeah, like th- those two professionally, I think, uh, stand out for me because I was like, Oh, well, everyone thinks of B2B brands is boring. You know, like the IBMs yeah. and stuff like that. Very serious, very professional. Uh, but but to be able to break out of that mold and create a, a sense of community again, yeah, right. So I think you know when you when you look at the sales community, they love Gong, right? And and that's not something you hear. Like yeah. Slack is another example, but that's not something you hear that people loving enterprise software, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but 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 they do, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like you know, if, if we could, if, if I could replicate that in some way, way, shape, or form for SmartQ, um, you know, I'll be on the right path. Yeah. Now tell me, Robin, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be and why? So my first gig at a startup, I start this job and I'm supposed to go buy my first car. Uh, I'm single at the time. So my boss is like, man, we got to get a cool car. And of course, like maybe, maybe he's also having, he's like, man, I'm in my forties, like a couple of kids. I have like, you know, a big van, an SUV, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to live vicariously through you and i'm like all right man projecting much yeah (laughs) (laughs) my boss drove me to both of these car dealerships one was a mercedes convertible and the other one uh was the porsche boxster a great decision like i loved my boxster you know i had it for for three years and ironically the time i got rid of it was when i got married and my wife's like i think we need a more uh, practical car because we live in Denver, Colorado and a front wheel convert- <laughs> front wheel drive convertible is not the most practical options. And especially when gas is like, what I don't know, five or $6 a gallon or something. Yeah. So, so I don't know if that answers the question, but I love my Porsche Boxster. And, and, you know, if I could, if I could go back and be a car, uh, I definitely, definitely re- revisit that. And why, why were you like that, that Porsche? Well, we took a risk, right? So we, I, I swung big, right? With that, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I swung big. It was fast. It was, it was very agile. Like I, I could go into tight spaces and maneuver. Uh, and, and I want to say like working at startups, uh, wearing multiple different hats, uh, the convertible analogy also, I think fits well. Robin, tell me for our listeners, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to them? Don't follow the money, follow the people. Mm. And 
what I mean by that is, especially like, you know, if you, if you look at the past couple of years in the startup environment, um, people are throwing, throwing money at talent. And um, a lot of the times you end up at toxic workplaces or not well-managed workplaces and things like that. But the people who I've encountered are the happiest or not the ones that make the most money, but the folks that, that ended up by, uh, finding their tribe, right? So, so, you know, go find your tribe, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if you do that, you'll have a very fulfilling uh, professional career. And eventually, because you found your tribe, I think it, it, it pays back in spades over the, over the course, Right, because it's it's a marathon, not a not a not a sprint. So over a period of time, you know, all your friends who made like a, a, a bunch of money or, or were supposed to make a bunch of money initially, you'll all even out, and and you know, you'll have the best of both worlds. You're not burnt out. You had, you had great work life balance, you had great friends, and you you made like lifelong professional relationships. Well, Robin Singvi, the founder of SmartQ, thank you so much for being on the show. Now, tell us uh, if people want to learn more about SmartQ, where should they go? Yeah, so we're we're everywhere in the social world. So GetSmartQ.com is our website. Uh, we're on Twitter uh, at GetSmartQ. Uh, we also have a newsletter that people who subscribe to, SmartQ.Substack.com. Um, we're on LinkedIn, obviously, again, search for SmartQ. You'll find us there. Uh, we're on Product Hunt, AppSumo. Uh, we're, we're, we're everywhere where, where I think we need to be. And, um, you know, yeah. my personal brand as well. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on all of those places as well. Uh, so Robin seeing me, my first name, last name, search for it. I think you should be able to find me. I am very open and receptive to fellow founders and people in the community who want to learn, want to collaborate and want to reach out just for a chat. Um, you know, I attribute a lot of SmartQ's growth to a sense of community. Uh, and and I'm, I'm more than happy to sort of engage with and, and give back wherever I can. Well, Robin, thank you again and uh, have an amazing 2023. You too, Jason. Thank you for having me. This is great. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. That was an awesome conversation with Robin Singvi, the founder of SmartQ. You know, he had so many great career tips and advice, but the thing that really resonated to me was this whole notion of you've got to find a hole and fill it. You know what? That's the best career advice that I always give people is you've got to find a hole and fill it. You've got to find that one thing that you can solve for that is really going to change and impact folks. And that's exactly what Robin did, right? He was out there looking for an opportunity to solve problems that people didn't even know that they had. So as you think of yourself here in the Lead With Your Brand New Year Challenge, I want you to work on 
your brand supersized attributes this week. And I also challenge you to think here in 2023, what are some of those potholes in the road for your business? What are some of those potholes that if you smoothed over, that if you filled with a solution, they would find huge impact? What are those potholes that are impacting your customers or clients, your internal team, or holding your business or division or department back? If you can find those holes and fill them, that is the secret to success. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure that you visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash new year so that you can participate in the Lead With Your Brand Challenge and work on your brand new brand for a brand new year. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and I love to answer questions on LinkedIn, and most importantly, in your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure that you supersize your words and show up in a supersized way so that you're a premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.